0: We continue with our summer series this Sunday, a Sacred Ordinary Life, and we're going to be uh, focused on the meal table, food, as Kathy and our children just explored, and so we're going to turn um, to the Gospel of Luke this morning and to the 24th chapter, and just to set the context, Jesus uh, has been crucified. Uh, The women have gone to the tomb, they have mistaken him for the gardener, and uh, now Cleopas and another disciple who is unnamed are walking down a road towards Emmaus. Uh, The text will tell us that Emmaus was uh, about seven miles away from Jerusalem, but uh, modern day scholars actually don't know where Emmaus is. And so a lot of theologians, a lot of preachers uh, have preached that Emmaus is that place in our lives where we feel like we don't know where we're going where we're ultimately lost, the place of our deepest grief and our deepest sadness, and this is the very place that Jesus encounters them, but they don't know it. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Listen to this story, because I believe there's power in this story for our lives and for our world. Then one of them, uh, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? Jesus asked them, What things? They replied, The things, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a mighty prophet in deed and in word, before God and all the people, And how, you know, our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, uh, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Uh, Moreover, some women in our group uh, astounded us. They were at the tomb Early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see it. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have declared, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, uh, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they will be your word to us here and now. And we pray, O oh God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and to the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, uh, my grandmother, my nana, came to visit us here in Dallas. You should know that a a visit from my nana is not complete without her bringing a homemade treat along with her. So in true nana form, she packed two very large mason jars of her homemade fig preserves, put them right there in the carry-on luggage, She uh, got to the security checkpoint, the bag went through, the screen lit up like a Christmas tree, and the TSA agent said, ma'am, I'm going to need you to come over here with me. Is this your bag? She said, oh, yes, honey, it is my bag. (laughs) And she said, what are these? She said, oh, those are uh, fig preserves for for my grandson. The TSA agent looked at her and said, well, ma'am, technically they're a liquid and you're not allowed to have them. And she said, well, why not? And she said, well, you're not allowed to have liquids on an airplane. And then he said, but they, they, they do look good. Where do you get your figs? And she said, oh, we have a fig tree in our backyard. I go out and I pick them up and I make these fig preserves for my grandson. They're his favorite. (laughs) And he said, well, I'm not sure I've ever had homemade fig preserves. She said, we should open the jar right here. You should have a taste of mine. (laughs) Then she said, why, I'm traveling all the way to Dallas. Have I mentioned that these fig preserves are my grandson's favorite? And have I mentioned that he's a minister? (laughs) My Nana played the minister card. I don't even play the minister card. (laughs) I don't even play the minister card when I get pulled over for speeding. (laughs) 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 All right, back to the TSA officer. So the TSA officer was standing there, he smiled. And he said, well, ma'am, I'm not really supposed to do this. but why don't you just put those back in your bag and tell your grandson to really enjoy them? But next time, why don't, why don't you just mail those right on over to his church? <laughs> my Nana is the only person I've ever known to get through TSA security with a liquid in my life. <laughs> but it seems that that agent, seems to me that that agent's heart recognized how important those fig preserves were to my Nana, and how important they were to me. It seems to me that the TSA agent's heart knew that those fig preserves were more than just mere fig preserves. They were my Nana's love and care canned in a mason jar. Looking back on it, I'm not really sure it was the smartest move by the TSA agent. I'm sure he could have gotten in trouble for what he did, but his heart directed him in a different direction. From what his brain told him he should do, our hearts often know, don't they? Our hearts often know what to do before our minds do. Seems to me that food has a way of proving that point. Food transcends words. uh, Food digs down deep into our memories. It, It it embodies what we most value. It's why we go out uh, to celebrate graduations. It's why we go out to celebrate anniversaries and birthdays. It's why if I uh, came down from the pulpit and sat right there in the pew with you this morning and I asked you about the best meal of your entire life, you could recount verbatim what you had, who was at the table, and how you spent the night into the wee hours of the morning laughing until you cried, sharing memories with one another. Oh, it's why we can all remember that favorite dish that our nanas or our papas used to make for us or that recipe that your mother used to make for you. It's why many of us can remember the hospitality that we have received. Maybe when we were a stranger in a foreign land, when someone has gone above and beyond and put a feast down right in front of us. It's why we can remember When someone has dropped over a casserole, they knocked on the door and there it was. A casserole right after we lost our beloved. Or when we had just come home from the hospital and we didn't know which way was up. Food's a physical manifestation, it communicates far beyond words. It's a physical manifestation of comfort and love and hospitality and nourishment, generosity, sharing and grace, fig preserves and mason jars. U.S. Poet Laureate Lulu hiles says that the world begins at the table. I think she's right, food brings us together And food places us around table with those that we love. And sometimes with those that we barely know, dinner tables can be comfortable and uncomfortable depending on who got invited. You know, if we were to uh, read the Gospel of Luke, if we were to read Luke's Gospel all the way through this morning, we would see that Jesus spends a lot of time sitting at tables sometimes with his disciples, but mostly with the most unlikely of dinner guests. It's at these tables that Jesus teaches, but also embodies what he has been trying to teach. You see, Jesus' words take on flesh at the table. They come to life when he eats with sinners and outcasts and tax collectors and the religious elite. Remember, Jesus was at... Levi the tax collector's house when he says you know I've come not for good and righteous and religious folk but I've come for sinners powerful words at the dinner table considering present company God in the flesh breaking bread with tax collectors oh I'm sure you remember when Jesus was at table with Simon the Pharisee Right after he asked if they could pass the bread, Jesus said, if you can't admit that you have much to be forgiven for, you can't possibly show much love. Pretty loaded statement considering that Pharisees felt that they held the standard of what was good and righteous. Jesus is sharing his life even with them. Or maybe you'll remember this table. On the night of his rest, Jesus was at table with his disciples. Uh, They were a motley crew, by the way. Men and women from every walk of life. Jesus uh, deviates from the ancient scripts. He, he, He takes bread and wine and he says, I'm the only way for you to pass over. I'm the only way for you to pass over from despair to new life. From sorrow to celebration, from bondage to freedom, and just so you'll never forget that, whenever you break bread or pour out wine, do it in remembrance of me. Oh, it's at these diverse dinner tables. If you read in the Gospel of Luke, there are eight of them. It's at these dinner tables that we catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God. we catch a glimpse of Jesus ushering that kingdom into the world. in a simple act that I believe continues today. It's a kingdom. It's an invitation to us all to recognize that the teachings of Jesus will eventually lead us back to one another. That every teaching of Christ will lead us back to table together. And what will be known as the joyful feast of the people of God. They will come from north and south and east and west and sit at table. It's a kingdom and a meal that reveals that there's not a table that Jesus eats at, that you are not welcome. For we all belong to God. And Jesus invites us to live like we belong to one another. So we shouldn't be all that surprised, frankly, when Jesus meets Cleopas and this other disciple on the road to Emmaus. We shouldn't be surprised that he's eventually going to lead them back to table. So true to form, Jesus meets them in their grief, in their sadness, and they end up back at the supper table. Where the words that Jesus has been speaking to them all day long take on life. When Jesus takes that bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them and their eyes were opened. Their eyes could finally see what their hearts had felt all day long. Were our hearts not burning within us, they said. They can... See the promise that was right in front of them the whole time. They recognized that even through death they belong to Christ, and therefore they belong to one another. It was a moment of grace. It was a moment of grace for Cleopas and that disciple that illumined that Christ is at every table and every meal. And therefore, every meal is a banquet feast in the kingdom of God. Because there is no table where Christ is not present. It seems to me that those moments of grace and revelation aren't reserved just for those in the pages of Scripture. They happen to us as well. And they happen most often around table and through food. I'm reminded of the story that the Methodist minister, Fred Craddock, tells. Craddock says, when I was in Germany studying for a year, I'd been down in Zurich for several days. The entire time I was in Zurich, I was away from my family and I was missing them and I got lonely. So I got on a train. And before I got on the train, I grabbed a sandwich. And on the German trains, Craddock said, I would usually try to get a, a place in a compartment where there were already several people so I could practice my German. He said my German was not very good. And so the train that I got on that day, every compartment was full except the very last car where there was an elderly woman. Craddock said, I figured if I went in there, that makes two of us. That gives me 50% of the conversation. He wondered if he could handle it. He had broken German. He said, I had no choice. He sat down next to the woman and he said, I, I tried a few German sentences on her. I said, I'm going to Stuttgart. Where are you going? She said, I'm going to Rostock. Rostock, he said. Rostock, uh, Rostock's in communist Germany. And so he said, are you a communist? And she said, no, I'm a Christian. And Craddock said, well, I'm, I'm an American, but I'm, I'm a Christian. And we began to talk. He asked her, what, what is it like to be a Christian in communist Germany? She said, what is it like to be a Christian in America? She said, You know, my grandkids tell me they call America the happy land. Craddock said, Well, it's not too happy lately. It's the 1960s. We had assassinations and terrible things happening. Craddock said, We we continued having this wonderful conversation, and I got hungry, but I didn't want to eat my sandwich in front of this lady. Finally, I thought I could at least share my sandwich, so I pulled it out, but it was made on German bread, which is really hard to break. And so I got into a tug-of-war right in front of this lady. Finally, when it broke, he said, I handed out half to her. He said, I hadn't noticed in the struggle to break that sandwich that she had peeled an orange and was extending me half of her orange. As she received half of my sandwich, I took half of her orange. We continued talking about being Christian in Germany and in America. We got to Stuttgart. We parted ways and we simply said to one another, May God be with you. May God be with you says I could have sworn we had communion right there on the train he said since that moment I've been in hundreds of churches the very first thing I do when I go into a church is to study the menu I find it's the same in every single church one half sandwich one half orange it's the Christian way Craddock says I've often thought about that lady. Often thought about where she ended up. Often wonder just how far I am on a given day from Rostock. Do you have any idea how far away that is? How many hundreds of miles? How many thousands of miles? Craddock says I checked. It's from that side of the table to that side of the table. That's how far it is. Friends, I wish we were having communion this morning. I wish we were going to have communion right this second so that our hearts could burn as we tasted bread and wine and remembered that the only distance between any of us is the distance across this table I wish we were having communion this morning so that in these divided times when we seem fractured on everything we could recognize that the only distance between us is the distance of this table but i'm afraid if we had communion this morning our instinct would maybe to have communion and then forget So my invitation to you today, my invitation to you this week, to each and every one of us, is to go forth from this hour of worship and remember at your lunch table today and at your dinner tomorrow and at your business lunch on Thursday and at your barbecue meal on Friday afternoon that every single meal shared with others is an opportunity to recognize that we are never, ever farther than a table apart. For my friends, when we live as though that were true, when we remember that, our hearts will burn because we will be returned to God. We will be returned to one another. And our eyes will see that Jesus has been at table with us the whole time. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, world without end, amen.